Formosa Files is sponsored by the Frank C. Chen Cultural Foundation. Frank Chen, Chen Qi Tuan, served as the mayor of Kaohsiung City from 1960 to 1968 and founded the Kaohsiung Medical College. Formosa Files. Welcome to Formosa Files. So today we're going to examine a couple of animal-related folk tales, some old stories which have survived the test of time. But you know, even today, a much-feared creature stalks this land, striking terror into the hearts of children, day or night. There is nowhere they can run from, nowhere they can hide from the horror of the Tiger Mom. <laughs> the tiger mom. Yes, the tiger mother, or okay, let's say tiger parent, but you know, it's usually a mother who pushes her kids really hard to perform well academically. Okay, but no, Taiwan's education system and the so-called tiger parenting thing here is a topic for another episode. Today, we are going to kick off with a story of the grand aunt or aunt, depending on your choice, Tiger. So the Grand Aunt Tiger. In Chinese, that would be Hu Gupo. Yeah. Hu Gupo. Yeah. Sometimes shortened to Tiger Aunt. There are different versions of this story, but let's go with a, an old version from an ebook, Taiwan Folktales by Fred Lobb. He's been collecting and translating folktales for over 40 years and still blogging on it. Eric, uh, you'll put up links on our FormosaFiles.com website, yeah? Yeah, definitely. So this is the story of Grand Auntie Tiger. A long time ago in Taiwan, a widow and her two young daughters lived in a lonely farmhouse near the foot of a mountain. One day, the mother spoke to the older girl, Ah Jin, and the younger girl, Ah Yu, and said, I have to leave and help your cousin who is about to have a baby. I won't return until tomorrow morning. While I'm away, Ajin, you will be in charge. At night, make sure the door is locked. And remember, do not open the door for anyone. Then the mother set off. Not long after, however, she had the misfortune to encounter a vicious tiger demon. A tiger demon. Uh, because like a regular tiger wouldn't be bad enough on its own? So this is a tiger with some evil powers, such uh, as the ability to transform into human form. Evil skills cultivated over many years. These animal demons, whether tigers or more commonly foxes, can live for thousands of years. Mm. So back to the mother and the tiger demon crossing paths. Um, I have a guess at what happened, but um, what happened? The tiger killed... And ate the mother. Oh, wait. It also took the mother's clothes and put them on. Meanwhile, back at the house, the two girls have had a fun day playing. Come nightfall, they've gone inside, locked the door, and gone to bed, and they're fast asleep. At midnight, they're both woken by a loud knock, knock, knock. Someone's at the door. Ajin gets up, goes to the door, opens it a little, and peers out. Standing there in the moonlight is an old woman. But because it's so dark, it's hard to see her face. Don't be afraid, Mei Mei, says the old woman with her large, wide mouth. Large, wide mouth, right. 
When I said these animal demons can take on human form, it's not perfect. So you get certain telltale features, sharp teeth, furry feet, and so on. But yeah, hey, it's dark. and Yeah, and the tiger is speaking fluent Thai or Taiwanese. So she says, uh, well, got it gone. Oh, no, okay. She, <laughs> she says, I am your own grandfather's younger sister. I am your gupo. You probably don't recognize me because I haven't been here in such a long time. Your mother asked me to come here and check on you. She then laughed, a deep, croaky laugh. You must be Ajin, she continued. So Ajin nods, yeah. <laughs> hmm, you must be about nine years old now. And over there behind you is little Ayu, isn't it? Oh, she must be, what, seven? Ajin and Ayu both nod. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, good girls, won't you help your poor grand auntie come in and rest her weary bones? It's cold outside and I need to rest. Indeed, it was cold outside. So Ajin opened the door and let the old woman come inside. The old woman noticed the younger girl, Ayu, looking wide-eyed at her feet. Why are you staring at my feet? she asked. Grand Auntie, your feet look like tiger paws. Oh, what a silly child. When you are as old as I am, your feet will look like mine too. But it's very late, girls. Time for bed. We shall sleep together. One girl on each side. I will keep you warm just as I did when you were babies. All three lay down to sleep. Not long after, Ayu was woken by a... Ajin! Ajin! Ayu whispers. Is that you making that sound? No answer. Grand Auntie, what's Ajin eating? Asks Ayu. Peanuts! The grand aunt tiger replies. Can I have some, please? Asks Ayu. No, it's bad for little children to eat late at night. Go back to sleep. Please, can't I just have one? Okay, very well. Give me your hand. Ayu stretched out her hand and received a peanut in the palm of her hand. But this was no peanut. It was a small finger. In that terrible moment came the realization that her older sister had been eaten. She shivered in fear, but the brave little girl did not scream in terror. If she were to live, she would have to outsmart the fake relative. G -g -g Grand Auntie? Oh, what is it now? G -g Grand Auntie, I need to use the bathroom. You're not playing a trick on your old Grand Auntie, are you? No. If you don't believe me, just tie that rope around my wrist and keep hold of the other end, said Ayu. Hmm, I'll do that, said Grand Auntie Tiger. She took a nearby rope and tied one end around Ayu's wrist. There, hurry up and go. Ayu headed for the kitchen instead of the bathroom. She grabbed a knife, cut the rope, and tied the end to a half-full bucket of water. Next, she grabbed some more rope climbed out of a window, and then climbed up a tree. Meanwhile, Grand Auntie Tiger was pulling the rope every few minutes, and she felt the bucket at the other end. She was satisfied that Ayu was still using the bathroom, but eventually, however, she lost patience and became suspicious. Ayu, she shouted. No reply. She followed the rope and discovered that it led to a bucket in the kitchen. 
She then roared with anger and rushed outside. Ah, you! Where are you hiding, you naughty girl? Tigers have great nighttime vision, and she soon spotted Ayu sitting high up in a tree. She tried climbing up there herself, but couldn't. Come down, Ayu. I'm going to eat you. I'll come down, Grand Auntie. But before I do, please boil a pot of lard. Okay, lard. Uh, that's pig fat. In another version, it was peanut oil. Okay, sorry for the interruption. Lard? What for? Before I die, I'll drink some hot lard. I'll be much tastier to you then. Oh, good idea. Wait. Grand Auntie Tiger went back into the house, and after a while she returned with a pot of boiled lard. Here's your lard. Now come down. Ayu lowered the rope down and said, Tie the pot to the rope so I can pull the pot up. I want to drink it up here. Grand Auntie Tiger was furious to be taking orders from the girl, but she had little choice. So she tied the rope to the pot and Ayu then pulled it up. Now drink the lard, roared Grand Auntie Tiger. Her big mouth stretched wide, huge, sharp teeth shining in the dark. Ayu immediately poured the boiling hot lard down into the open jaws of Grand Auntie Tiger, and the old demon screamed in agony, rolled around on the ground, shuddered, and then lay still, dead. And in those dying moments, she changed back into her true form, that of an old tigress. Well, well done, Ayu, yeah? Uh, the folktale guy Fred Lobb, he calls this perhaps the quintessential Taiwanese folktale, although it's also widespread throughout China in various forms. And of course, in the West, we have it as a Little Red Riding Hood, right, but with a wolf instead. It's basically just a tale warning children to be wary of strangers. Yeah. So, Eric, any thoughts on the folktale Grand Aunt Tiger? It seems a rather bloody, gruesome tale. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. There, there are very few Chinese stories that um, are, are happy stories. Mm. They generally have some sort of uh, tragedy. This one definitely uh, counts. So you start with a widow, right, and two mm -hmm. girls. So the family's already had the tragedy of losing their, their dad. Then the mother gets eaten, and then one of the sisters. So there's one girl left in the world. Uh, I'm going to say, like, if Disney took this story, it's a safe bet there would be some rather massive plot changes. <laughs> yeah, uh, not just Disney or Hollywood. Like many old folk tales, it's pretty raw. Death was more a part of life back in the old days. I've heard another softer version where there are two parents and the tiger doesn't eat the mother. Oh, that, that one's better, yeah. Mm. <laughs> anyway, the last lines of Fred Lobb's translation are, quote, Ayu's stories spread all over the island of Taiwan, and as a result, villagers banded together to hunt down the rest of the island's tigers. Their success explains why there are no tigers on Taiwan today. But there's a bit of a problem with that, because Taiwan has never had tigers, or at least not for like, I don't know, how many thousands of years, John? Many thousands? Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. So this story has to have been, or it very likely was brought over by immigrants from Fujian in China, where tigers once lived until relatively recently. Yes, the South China tiger, once common in Fujian, but functionally extinct in the wild today, not seen in decades. But even a hundred years ago, it was quite a menace. 
One of my favorite books on the region is the delightful China Coast Family, published in 1953. It's by an American, John Cordwell. The book describes growing up near Fuzhou. He was the son of a Methodist missionary father who was also a very good hunter. And local villagers asked the dad for help tracking down and shooting numerous man-eating, livestock-eating tigers in that area. Mm, So plenty of dangerous tigers in Fujian, and it made sense for settlers in Taiwan to think that their new home, which was a wilder place, more mountainous and more densely forested, would have tigers. Yeah, no tigers in the wild in Taiwan, but a common animal in temple art, and there are numerous tiger god statues uh, in temples. Tigers are fierce protectors. Um, there's actually an important tiger god statue in a temple not that far from, uh, from my place here in Jai. And of course, as one of the animals in the Chinese zodiac, we get a tiger year every 12 years. The cat, however, in contrast, didn't make it into the zodiac. And traditional Chinese culture has looked down on the cat. It's like some people at least see it as useful for catching rodents, but but generally lazy and and maybe even possibly evil. So now we're going to look at another story from the book Taiwan Folk Tales called The White-Nosed Cat. And uh, I guess we should warn you that the cat only makes an appearance at the very end of the story. A long time ago, somewhere in southern Taiwan, a wealthy couple had a son called Afu. He was their only child, and they spoiled him. He was exceptionally lazy. And this failing only grew worse over time. As the years rolled by, his parents grew old and passed away. But for Afu, life went on as before. He didn't work. In fact, he did little else but eat and sleep. So his money, his inheritance, it all drained away and eventually had to sell the grand ancestral home. Afu now found himself living in a small house furnished with only a grass mat and a blanket. The big house had been sold to pay debts, the servants had all been dismissed, and the family fortune but a memory. Now this should have spurred him into action, but it didn't. He continued his idle ways, but if you're not working, there's no money coming in, obviously, and you need money to buy food, so he started growing weaker and weaker. After lying immobile on his mat for three days, he felt that his life was slipping away. He summoned up his remaining strength, rose from his mat, and headed for the local temple of the God of Wealth. So he manages to get to the temple altar where he collapsed upon the floor and began to plead for divine help. Please, he begged (laughs) the God of Wealth, spare me a string of gold coins so I don't die from hunger and turn into a wretched, wandering, hungry ghost. So suddenly, Afu finds himself in the spectral realm of the god of wealth. The god was seated in front of him and also a chief official of the heavenly wealth department, a giant man with an iron whip in his hand, which he cracked before Afu. The giant spoke and said, Afu, you deserve to become a hungry ghost, the most wretched one there is. You do not do a day's honest work, and yet you dare to ask for money. Have mercy on me, miserable creature that I am, Afu pleaded. Have mercy, the giant scoffed. Why? 
Yeah, I may be a little on the lazy side, but I'm not a bad person. Silence, roared the giant. The god of wealth wishes to speak. The giant stepped over to the throne, speaks with his superior, and then announced to Afu, The god of wealth is truly merciful. He will spare your unworthy life by giving you a string of gold coins, on condition that you change your greedy, slothful ways. Spend this money on food to regain your health, and then look for a job. Will you do this? Afu agreed. The giant then cracked his whip upon Afu's head, sending painful, blinding lightning bolts through his head, and he cried, I'm dead. He opened his eyes slowly. He was lying on his own straw bed in his small hut, and he was alive. He wondered, was the trip to the temple and the meeting with the god of wealth only a dream? A hallucination brought on by extreme hunger? But even a dream could be kind of real. It could be a way that the gods uh, communicated with mortals. That happens a lot in Chinese stories. So Afu thought some more. And then he's like, no, it must have been real. And with that thought, he felt some relief and happily drifted off to sleep as he imagined spending the money on sweet meats. And Afu died in his sleep three days later. The next time he wakes up, he finds himself in the land of the dead, the domain of King Yinlo. This was a far different place than the court of the god of wealth. What's this? I've been tricked, cried Afu. Yes, that's what many say, said King Yinlo's keeper of the Book of Life, a large volume that listed every soul and the allotted death date for every life. You don't understand, said Afu. The god of wealth promised me gold, but I didn't get it. The god of wealth not keeping his word, huh? Hmm, said the keeper of the book. That's a pretty serious charge. Afu kept complaining, and the underworld, like other spiritual realms, has procedures for complaints. The secret to understanding a lot of Chinese religion is realizing it's a bureaucracy, uh, like a, a magistrate's court. And in this case, the complaint was relayed to King Yanlo, king of the dead, who in turn reported it to the god of wealth. Soon, Afu was summoned to King Yanlo's throne room for an audience before both gods. What do you have to say, Afu? roared King Yanlo. The Book of Life clearly states you were to starve to death. But the god of wealth promised me gold coins so that I would live. The god of wealth spoke and said, Afu, four or five times did one of my messengers knock on your door. Had you got up and gone to the door, you would have received your gold. I fell asleep. So King Yunlo laughs. laughs. It's hard to dislike you, Afu, because you are not really a bad person. So I'm giving you another chance. I will allow you to be reborn as a human in any future occupation you desire. Now tell me, what would you like to be in your next life? Afu thought for a moment and answered, I'd like to be reborn as a white-nosed cat. So the King Yenlo's benevolent expression changes completely and he says, What? Are you making fun of us? No, your majesty, uh, Afu explained. Such a cat wouldn't have to work for food as hard as a man or even other cats. Mice would mistake its white nose for grains of rice. Food would come to such a cat. 
So you'd rather be reborn as a white-nosed cat instead of a person? said the astonished king of the dead. <laughs> so be it. And with those words, a white-nosed kitten was born somewhere in the world, a lazy kitten that eventually grew into an exceptionally lazy cat. The end. <laughs> the king of the underworld is British. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, because all villains yeah. in Hollywood are British. So, you know, Very it has good. to be okay. that way. Yeah. Uh, in, in that story... I think much of the interest comes from how it shows the bureaucratic wheels of the Chinese world of gods, how the gods are in different departments and how they handle cases. It's like a parallel government, but you know, in the spiritual realm with its own procedures and hierarchy of gods and assistants. Yeah, the hierarchy of gods. They even get promotions or demotions in legends and in real life. I'm, I'm thinking, for example, of the seemingly non-bureaucratic goddess um, Mazu. So mm -hmm. she started out as a protector of fishermen, but got several promotions in the form of upgraded official titles, most memorably in 1683 to Tian Ho, the Queen of Heaven. That happened after the Qing won a crushing naval battle in Penghu. Yes, um... And as for the story of the, the white-nosed cat, what it tells us about cultural attitudes to cats, uh, well, we have the stereotype of the cat uh, as lazy. It's true, right? <laughs> uh, but here, at, at least, not evil. Yeah, which is somehow how poor little kitties are sometimes portrayed in other tales and superstitions. Uh, John, before we started recording, you mentioned your own encounter with a cat superstition? Yeah. It was a dark and stormy night. <laughs> and not really. It was a bloody hot summer's day, a very thirsty day, down on a family plot of farmland, overgrown with trees and weeds, and rumored to be a secret drinking spot. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, machete in hand, I was slashing away at the jungle undergrowth and uh, feeling a bit dizzy from the heat when I spied uh, just out of the corner of my eye a strange shape hanging from a tree branch. I moved closer. It was a plastic bag with something dark and heavy inside. It was obviously placed there by human hands, not blown by the wind. I moved closer, the bag just about head height. I pressed my machete against the side of the plastic bag and cut open a tear to see inside. Oh, dear me. What a nasty, nasty surprise. And Eric, when I told you the story, you guessed what was inside. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, I've heard these stories before, too. And uh, yeah, you found inside a dead cat. Yeah, uh, a dead black cat. Uh, not pleasant coming upon a, a, a dead cat hanging from a tree, but I think it's scarier that you could so easily guess what it was. Uh, I, I wasn't aware of the custom. Yeah, we should explain. So there's this old belief. Thankfully, it's dying out among, I would say, the majority of Taiwanese. But there's this old idea that dead cats must not be buried in the ground. Instead, they should be hung from trees so that the evil spirits leave their bodies and help the cats reincarnate as cats. If they're buried, they might be reborn as some sort of malevolent spirit or something. Yeah, like you said, a custom, thankfully, uh, on its way out. And it would be wrong to paint traditional Taiwanese culture as being completely anti-cat. In fact, our feline friend uh, is a common symbol of good fortune here, yeah? 
<laughs> Listeners can't see this, but John is making this gesture with his hand. He's beckoning with his hand going, his right hand going up and down. And <laughs> what he's trying to do is cue me to say something about those so-called wealth beckoning cats. So if you've been in a store in Taiwan, you've probably noticed that next to the cash register, there's a little small cat figurine with one raised paw. These cat figurines are known as manekineko, which I think you'll guess from the name are of Japanese origin. And the custom took hold in Taiwan during the period of Japanese rule from 1895 to 1945. The cats come in different colors, but they're mostly some shade of yellow, yellow associated with gold and all that, or white for uh, luck. But there's also a black colored cat used for warding off evil. Yes, there are various old folk tales explaining the origins of the cat, the, the wealth beckoning cat. Uh, the most common involves a, a Japanese man who brings his family to the brink of ruin through gambling, but he's saved by his devoted and pious cat. The gambler reforms his ways, restores the family business, and in gratitude has a statue made of the cat, which he places in the family store. Now, Eric, you're actually. A big cat guy, right? Uh, yeah, well, not big cat as in tigers and lions, but yeah, you know, um, pussycats. I've always had them. Back when I was in my 20s, I was like a, a cat rescuer. At one point, I had seven of them living with me in my home at one time, which uh, wow. was not exactly all that pleasant. I have one now, and uh, this is what it sounds like. <coughs> yeah, that was my cat just saying hi. Hmm, okay. Uh... Over the last couple of decades, uh, there's been a real change in attitudes towards cats, yeah? Yeah, very, very much so. So there's almost like this hipster aspect now with cats. Uh, if you're like an artist or something, sometimes there's even in, in some cities you'll find a cat in the office. or And then the president uh, at one point was a, a cat person who showed her favorite cats. I think she also has dogs. So Dogs are still in Taiwan, I would say, the majority popular pet, but we could get to a point like Japan did in 2017 where cats overtake dogs. And it makes sense because they're, you know, a lot easier to keep in a home and you don't have to take mm. them out for walks and all that. And uh, you know, they can be quiet for the most part. So, yeah, I see the potential for cats becoming, uh, you know, the cool thing. So, John, uh, you often have last thoughts. Uh, do you have any currently? Uh, not really, just a, a recommendation for a season one episode uh, we did. Season one, episode 13. It's titled The Orangutan Craze, but half of it is, is about tigers, uh, specifically the illegal trade. Worth a listen. Definitely. And thank you for listening to this episode of Formosa Files. I'm Eric Michael Smith. I'm John Ross. <laughs>